So when I talk about being merciful to people, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that people don't still reap what they sow when they've sown bad seeds. I'm not saying that you let people take advantage of you. I'm not saying that people just get off scot-free no matter what they do. I'm not saying that we enable people to keep taking advantage of us. Mercy is more about our attitude toward the person. I want you to get this, because this is why it's so hard for people to give mercy. It's like, well, you're not going to get by with that. I'm not going to let you just keep taking advantage of me. You can deal with the person's sin and still be merciful toward the sinner. Do you hear me? You can be merciful. See, it's like, I understand. Yes, I'll still help you. But no, you're not going to do that to me again. I'll give you an example with our youngest son, who's now not so young anymore. He's 37. But when he was about 12, 10, maybe 10, we were trying to teach him. He, he was never just extremely disciplined. And so we were trying to teach him to make his bed, take the dog out, you know, just different things. He had different jobs that he was supposed to do. And he wasn't real good at just doing them because you told him. And so we made a list and we wanted to motivate him. So every time he would do something he was supposed to do without being told, we'd give him a check mark. If he got so many check marks, he got a star and all that system, you know, and that God doesn't operate on, by the way. And um, <laughs> we kept that list hanging on his door because we wanted it in front of his face so he could see it. Well, when I was trying to understand mercy, because I, ha I had a real hard time with this. The Bible says in Matthew, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And I see that two ways. When I sin, God doesn't want me to sacrifice. He wants me to receive mercy. And for a lot of years of my life, every time I did something wrong, I sacrificed. And you know what I sacrificed? My joy. I did not think that I deserved to enjoy my life. And so I would not have any fun, not enjoy myself until I felt like that I had done enough penance, which meant being miserable, long enough to make up for what I did wrong. And that's not receiving mercy. If you really want to make the devil mad, when you, do, when you really mess up, you sincerely go to God in repentance and you receive his mercy and you refi refuse to wallow around in guilt and you go ahead and have a good day. And that is so hard for us to do as human beings because that message is always there. You got to pay, you got to pay, you got to pay, you got to pay. Well, as long as we, as long as that's the way we function with God, that's the way we're going to function with other people. So I had a really hard time being merciful to people. I didn't want to be that way, but I had a hard time being merciful to people because my father was not a merciful man, and I didn't know how to receive mercy even from God, who I believed was merciful, but I didn't know how to receive it. And you can't give away what you don't have. How can you give away? That's why you can't love somebody else if you don't love yourself. You got to love yourself. It's not selfish to love yourself. It's selfish to be in love with yourself, but it's not selfish to love yourself. And we need to teach people to love themselves. Nobody ever taught me that. And I'm telling you, you need to love yourself. You need to love the who that God created you to be. We don't love everything we do, but we love ourselves. So God was trying to teach me this thing about 
mercy and I just wasn't getting it. I just didn't understand how when somebody did something that was wrong, I still viewed it as you cannot just let them get by with that. You cannot just let them get by with it. So he used this thing about our son as an example. He said, when Danny's outside playing and there was a bully in the neighborhood who was really a mean kid and he would get after Danny sometimes and we could hear Danny. We always kept the garage door open outside and he'd come in through the garage and in through the kitchen and we could hear him when he got to the garage. Daddy! And you could kind of tell from the tone of his voice that the kid was after him again. And you know, God just showed me this. He said, now, when you hear your son screaming for help, do you say, Dave, I hear Daniel is screaming for help. I'm gonna go downstairs and check his chart. <laughs> and if he's got all of his check marks, then you can help him. If not, just let the devil beat him up. <laughs> now, now hear me. That doesn't mean that we didn't then deal with the fact that he didn't do his chores. I'm not saying that mercy means you don't deal with the wrong in people's lives. God still chastises us for our sin, even though he gives us mercy, because those whom he loves, he chastises. So you're not really loving somebody if you just let them take advantage of you all the time. That's not real love. But mercy is much more toward your attitude toward the person. No matter how wretchedly somebody has treated me, if they are in trouble and they are sick and they are hurting or they are getting kicked out of their home or whatever the situation might be, the mercy of God demands that I lay aside what they did to me and go help them. Amen. Matter of fact, I wrote this down. If a person if somebody has done something really wretched to you, if a friend of mine does something wrong, and then when they need help, I refuse to help them because of their mistake, my sin becomes worse than theirs. Amen. I'll give you three quick examples. My mom, my, my mom and dad, my aunt, and my brother. I mean, I had a family that was dysfunctional to the max. We invented the word before we even knew it existed. My father was abusing me sexually. My mother didn't do anything about it. I even went to this particular aunt and my uncle at one point for help, and they didn't want to get involved. Because back then, you know, in the 50s, nobody talked about abuse. It just, it was, nobody talked about incest. It just was not anything that anybody ever heard of. Matter of fact, I never heard anybody talk about it publicly until I started talking about it. I never heard anybody talk about it in church until I started talking about it. And you can't ignore anything and have it ever be fixed. And so back then, everybody just wanted to ignore it. So we all lived a life of pretense. My mom and dad pretended it wasn't happening. I pretended it wasn't happening. Uh, nobody wanted to deal with it. Well, you know, I leave home at 18, get married, go on with my life, get in ministry, and my mom and dad get old and God begins to put in my heart that I should take care of them. I'm not gonna go into that whole story because it's long, but then my aunt, my uncle died. She's a widow, they had no kids. And so now he's telling me I need to take care of her. And so long story short, we paid to have those three people in assisted living and then in nursing home care 15 years. 
15 years. I didn't think they'd live that long when God asked me to do it. <laughs> now, I'm just being honest. I mean, 15 years, and I mean, it, it's expensive to keep somebody in a place like that. I mean, expensive, 15 years. Go and visit every other week, go and visit 15 years. Pay somebody to take them to their doctor's appointments, you know, all this, 15 years. But I know that 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 I did the right thing in doing what I did. I know that. Okay, now my brother, on the other hand, I had to handle him differently. I really loved my brother. We were close. He was nine years younger than me, but I kind of felt like he was my only ally. However, he went in the Marine Corps when he was 17, and he got on drugs and that his sergeant gave him. He was over in the jungles in Vietnam, and I guess that was just how they handled the wretched life they had. He got addicted to him, and to be honest, he never was really right after that. He wouldn't take responsibility, wouldn't work. Long story short, he spent his whole life living off other people. If he wasn't living off some woman somewhere, he was wanting somebody in the family to take care of him. And he'd disappear for six, seven, one time, eight years. Nobody heard from him, nobody saw him. Then he calls, sis, I'm sorry, I want to get my life straightened out. I love you, sis, can you help me? And so we'd help him. And you know, one time we brought him and he lived in our home for two years and we got his teeth fixed. We got him healthy. We got him clothes. We got him a job. We got him a new truck. We helped him get a place to live. And he'd go right back to do the same thing again. Gone for another six years and go, oh, sis, you got to help me. I'm sorry. I got to, you know. And so I said, I'm not bringing you back to St. Louis because he just would drive everybody nuts when he was there. And it just sucked up my life. But I said, if you're really serious, I'll get you in a treatment program. So we talked to Tommy Barnett and he said, send him out to the Los Angeles Dream Center. We'll take care of him. If he straightens up, we'll give him a job. We sent him out there. And after one month, he told them, you guys are great. You're awesome but this is just not for me. He walked out. Long story short, he ended up committing suicide in an abandoned building. Well, you know, I did not do the wrong thing in not bringing him back to my home again because I could not enable him to just keep taking advantage of me all my life. He was a taker, he was not a giver. And so you have to be able to discern, but I was still merciful. My attitude toward him was merciful, but I still didn't let him take advantage of me. And I want to be sure that I explain the difference because if I just stand here and tell you to be merciful to everybody, no matter how they treat you, if you don't understand what that means, then it gets to be something that is almost impossible for people to carry out and do.